Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Clicking Balls. This is our 2019 season primer for the Geelong Cats. So first thing we're going to do is go through a little bit of a review for 2018 so we know where they're coming from um, before we look forward to uh, their season 2019. So to start off, uh, 2018, 13 wins and 8th. Probably a little bit unders for what Geelong were expecting. Yeah, and on, on paper, especially with uh, some of the pickups, obviously lots of stars started midfield, and so you do have higher expectations for, for these, this team. And one thing that sort of impressed me was the ability for them to replenish um, sort of outdated players with fresh young talent. But then one thing that I question is that they bring in other outdated talent, which yeah. I think they, they're just clogging up. Uh, uh, positions which sort of throttles the ability for the youth to get uh, a few more games under their belts. Well, obviously they moved heaven and earth to get their holy trinity together, being Selwood, Dangerfield, and uh, Ablett. Yeah. Um, but I don't think we saw the best of any of them, to be honest. Um, no. This year. In patches, yes, and most of the focus went on Ablett. Um, but uh, I, I think across the board, they they had their moments. They had, they had moments, but. You still, you always see flaws in a game. It was hard to see them play out an entire four quarters where you're like, this is the team that's uh, yep. that's living up to the promise of what they should deliver. And it's not because, I'm not saying they they played bad, it's just that the expectations were very, very high. Yep. Well, I think too, the fact that they, uh, they made finals, you know, finishing eighth, but then got booted out by Melbourne, uh, who yeah. the credentials over Melbourne were pretty questionable at the time, thinking, well, they haven't won a final, you know, in in recent memory, I think none of their team had won a final except for one player, Lewis. Yeah, um, and so you'd have to think going into that with Geelong, with still having Premiership players on the side, and some of the most experienced and quality mids, you'd think they'd well account for Melbourne in a final situation. But not nah, got dumped. Um, we'll go through their highs um, for the year. So where are the highs for Geelong? You saw in, in twenty eighteen. Well, I mean, they did have some young talent that was coming through. I mean, but I'll go then into that further. One of the one of the parts of the season I wanted to talk about was seems like from the outside a high was the way they finished the regular season, where they've um, belted Frio uh, 158 to 25, and they've belted the Suns 142 to 40. They come up against Melbourne in an elimination final. Yep. So it looks like they're hitting really peak form. But is that just too much of a, a soft workout for them going into a soft competition? In. Yeah. Well, especially the Frio game, because from memory, they were down at uh, quarter time. Yeah. And then yep. kicked 21 goals in a row? Yeah, because it seems like the. I don't know if it's totally split, but there are differentiating ideologies when it comes to how to prepare for finals. Yeah. And a light, light. Workout light hit out is one thing that was generally looked as as a favourite way to go into finals because you're not putting exerting too much pressure on yourself, not risking injuries. However, yeah. they've had 
you know, hitouts which were very advantageous to them, and they've just looked like they were nowhere. And I don't know if they're related or if that was just the fact that Melbourne were too good in that final. Well, if I put my expert hat on, uh, which I'm always wearing, I think it's when you have easy hitouts like that, and you know the game's iced from about halfway onwards. Players start playing for themselves because they know we're playing finals. Yeah, I want to be in that squad, so I need to now rack up a few possessions or get a couple of easy one-twos just so uh, when, when the names come out on Thursday for finals time, I want to be on that sheet. Yeah, And I think you get in that habit two weeks in a row and all of a sudden the next game, you're like, you're still trying to pad your stats a bit. Yeah. Instead of, uh, it shouldn't happen Geelong. You should have guys like Dangerfield, Ablett, Selwood, you know, et cetera, all saying, lads, this is, uh, this is all how, how it happens. You need to be flat out trying to get the game won. Well, I mean, there's lots of one-twos around that midfield, which some look at padding stats, so maybe they are taking a, a page from the leadership book. Yeah, there was plenty of stat padding going on. But uh, uh, for their stat, highs, stat padding. Um, yeah. I also had uh, Tommy Hawkins. I thought he had a good year. Yeah. Um, yep. Besides uh, getting a little suspension for touching the ump. Um, but uh, he, he looked dangerous in most games. Um, and they also had an All-Australian in Tom Stewart, who was a consensus All-Australian from about the halfway mark. Yeah. Um, ended up in the back pocket um, in the side. Um, but that, That's it, nothing bad. I'm pretty sure Geelong were rated statistically the best defensive team Last year? Well, they had the best percentage okay. in the league. Yeah. So they they could score and stop scores. Well, against... They had a few blowouts that helped that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially the, the uh, last couple in the year, like we spoke about. Um, also, another highlight I had for them was uh, the game against Melbourne down in Geelong with uh, Tui scoring a goal after the siren. Yeah. Um, you, you could see it all happening in slow motion, too. It was always going to go... Um, to a mark in the forward 50. You just didn't expect their half-back flanker Ooh, to be the exactly one that right. marked it. Um, there's nothing better than kicking a goal after the siren. No, and I mean, it's one thing to obviously be a, a gun backman that he was playing when he was at Carlton, but Geelong have this ability to turn key defenders into, uh, you know, front uh, defensive and attacking footballers. Into attacking footballers, and yeah. I don't know if because they've got enough talent there that just allows uh, the player to discover that themselves or if that is what they're actively looking for when they recruit. Yep. Um, but they've done, seemed to do it very well, and obviously Harry Taylor was prime example for that team. But they have yeah. recruited some other players that are capable of this as well, especially young kids. Um, and uh, when Henderson went down, he, I think he only played two or three games for the year, and he was their um, linchpin in their back line the year before. Um, Blitzarves goes from yep. uh, a running ruck rover to full back and beat a lot of decent full forwards yeah. on the year. Um, unlucky not to get a mention for the All-Australian nod. Yeah, and I feel like they definitely missed Henderson through injuries. Yeah. Um, he, he's, you know, obviously, another one coming across from Carlton, wasn't it Carlton? Yeah. Yeah, he started, yep. at, the, started at Brisbane, then went to Carlton. Then Carlton, yeah. There. Yeah. Uh, again, great talent at both ends of the ground, and he was one that could fill in roles that when Harry Taylor or someone gets caught up yep. um, with the one-on-one competition, you know, having a, a task of, you know, trying to lock down a key forward line for, for opposition... He was one that could step up. Um, so I feel like players like that, they missed sorely through injury. Yep. Um, so lows for the year then for Geelong. I think we've already covered their finals um, a fair bit uh, with Geelong. Um, yep. The other low I had was um, against the Bulldogs with Harry Taylor missing one after the siren. Yep. And a very gettable goal too it was um, at Marvel Stadium. So you can't even blame the wind. Yeah. Yeah. One of the lows I had for them, um, when looking at, who you want to compete against in finals. Uh, one of their big losses at, at home was against Sydney, where um, obviously at home Geelong is a force. It's yep. a different environment for a lot of teams coming to. You don't get to go there very often. And they had it in the balance to play for in that fourth quarter, and they 
gave up uh, seven goals four to to one goal one in the fourth to lose it. Yeah. And they were leading by things around four goals at three quarter time. That's just not what you expect from that team. You expect with the talent and the leadership they've got, someone's going to step up and make sure that Sydney just don't have the ball. And they've had a lot of trouble with Sydney at home, actually. I remember yeah. quite a few games that uh, Sydney have um, upset them down there. Yeah. I think another low for me would be uh, a young Mitch Duncan in the 2016. He was emerging into a superstar. Mm. They bring Ablett and uh, Kelly in, and uh, I, I think he took a massive step backwards. Yeah. And I thought he was really on the cusp of uh, emerging. I but... think he was still in the top four for the best and fairest. Yeah, but he didn't really have the impact that he did in 2016. Okay. Like, I think best and fairest sometimes players get votes on consistency, which is fine. But um, you know, I was expecting him to take Ablett's spot, and he didn't. Yeah, I, I don't think Ablett coming in would have, was the right idea for him either. And the fact that they tried to play Ablett as the midfielder that he's always been, and he's not mm. that player anymore. Yeah. Um, and it already looks like they're going to play Ablett this year down forward, which I think is good because it means Duncan's going to be in the middle more. Um, and when we're talking about the highest, we should have mentioned Tim Kelly because they pulled him out of the waffle. Yeah. Um, never mind all the off-season um, trying to get back home bullshit. Um, he played like an absolute champion. He did. Um, so that there's no doubt about that. We're seeing that more and more now. Some players getting pulled out of obscurity in the, the second-rate leagues and doing brilliantly. So you wonder, why aren't teams doing it more often? Well, I think they are now. Yeah. Um, especially with they've changed the drafting rules so that you can sign supplementary players from the state leagues. Mm. And I think they're even going to have a mid-year draft this year um, for state league players, um, which makes a lot of sense because you know maybe somebody just wasn't right when they were seventeen or eighteen, yeah, and took a couple of extra years to develop. Well, I think there's very very few seventeen eighteen year olds that have instant impact or lasting yeah. instant impact. Yeah. Um, a handful a year if you're lucky. Yeah, and even then, normally they'll have a, a brilliant five or six game period, and then they just kind of fall back to around average, below yeah. average kind of thing. Yeah. Which it's, is what you expect as a young lad. It's that thing, you know, if you stick your head above the parapet, it's going to get shot. So yeah. a lot of them are just not on the radar, and then they show what their talent is, and so other teams have to make a concerted effort to try and shut them down. And that's what you want to see from the young kids, those young 18-year-olds, is how they approach that, how they rebound, what other ideas they have for their own talent. Uh, it also comes into their direct uh, line coaches as well yep. uh, something I'm sure that's talked about a lot with uh, first year players yeah but when so many of them never played against men too yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it, mind you the waffle certainly didn't hurt Kelly no. waffle, waffle's a different sort of league as well though and let's be honest they only got him for one more year Yeah, <laughs> he yeah. tried to move heaven and earth to get back home and um, they they kept him so hopefully they can get him playing and tell him to drive up his own price. Was that the one where uh, Frio were like, we're pretty keen, you mate? And he's like, oh, I'd rather go West Coast. Yeah, 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 pretty much, pretty much. Um, so let's have a look at their uh, list changes over the off-season. Um, and really, I look at it and I see they're just trying to make themselves a little bit younger. Yep. Um, their ends are Dalhouse and Rowan as the uh, known players. Now, Dalhouse is a very handy player, but um, if all the whispers to be believed, there's a bit of a shit behind the scenes. So. Yep. Um, a change of scenery usually fixes that up. Yeah, and I mean, Geelong, a little bit more isolated town. I mean, yeah. it's not that far from Footscray, to be honest. But, well, <laughs> just down the, down the road. Yeah, but hopefully, you know, it's, they can isolate him a bit from a lot of distractions, a bit more leadership there as well, and he's not there to be the leader. Yeah, I'm, I'm not super optimistic about that, to be honest. I no. It's still a bit too close to Footscray. I mean, I feel like looking at their list and the young kids and a couple that performed last year, they're just looking at that small, speedy forwards that they can yep. create pressure. That seems to be the game plan at the moment. Collingwood were the ones that did it the best last year. And Geelong looking to be able to have that option if they need it. Yep. Um, they've also got uh, Gary Rowan, um, who, you know, who's an all-Australian class player yep. when fit. Yeah. And yeah. the problem is he hasn't been 
fit um, and without injury the last couple of years. But fully fire, and GC's got some toe, and he kicked yeah. some goals. Mm. They got him for nothing, didn't they? Basically. Well, yeah. I mean, they're sort of, you know... This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Your 15th best players, both of them. Yeah. And they got rid of their own 15th best yeah. players, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, in their outs. But uh, yeah, Rowan and Dalhouse, fully fit and um, with their mind on the game, they're going to be very handy. Yeah. yeah it could just, just handy. could just be the uh, experience of them as well, yep. looking to uh, impart that onto the young people. Both premiership players too, I think, yep. from memory. Um, their other ends, oh, they got um, Billy Brownless's lad through a yep. um, father-son, but he probably won't play this year. And he a, seems all right. Like you, you, It's yeah. hard to tell from TSC. You never really exactly. quite know. Mm, yeah. But uh, he was definitely a, a focal point up forward and a bit of a leader. He's a tall lad, but... Um, you know, the, the big lads, they take a couple of years anyway. So hmm. we might not see yeah. him this year. And to be honest, if we don't see him in 2020 either, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Yep. No, not when you've got uh, Tom Hawkins up there and then you've got yeah. Blitzask pitching forward and, you know, a whole bunch of other talls there emerging. Others coming through, yeah, exactly. Um, you can take your time with, with Oscar. Um, they're outs. Uh, Aaron Black, um, who was handy, and I think might have surprised a few people that he's still on a list. Yep. Um, but uh, he's playing mainly VFL. Mm. Um, bit of backup, but it, good workhorse, good journeyman. I really like Aaron Black, his highlights. He's one of those blokes that, on, on his moment, he just does those amazing things, but yeah. then he just, you forget he's on the list, like you said. Yeah. Um, if he delivered on his potential, he would be spectacular. But how many AFL players we say that about? Yeah, he was. you knew what you were going to get out of him. Um, it just uh, wasn't consistent or good enough and didn't really get enough opportunities. I think this was his third club as well. Yeah, but there's so many players. Like Aaron yeah. Edwards was the other one who yeah. uh, did North and Richmond and just flashes and then yeah. vanished. Uh, Stuart Cramery was another Robert one. Robert Nahas as well. <laughs> very, very unlucky. Well, yeah, but that's because he's been <laughs> running around with this massive cock. <laughs> well, he still, still was a rookie at 35 years old, I think. <laughs> Uh, Stuart Cramery, it was the same thing. It was just brought in for one year yeah. um, uh, as a bit of backup. Uh, Corey Gregson and uh, McCarthy. McCarthy, you gone, is he the one that's gone up to Brisbane to be with his mate Lockie Neal? Sure. Yeah. I think he is. Um, if you can spot any of them out of a lineup walking down the street, I'd be shocked. Yeah, Gregson, you can. He's got a massive mullet. Uh, sorry, he hasn't got a mullet. He's got a massive melon. Mm-hmm. Um, George Holland Smith. Pot, uh, pot kettle black. Yeah, Thurlow and uh, Jordan Murdoch. 
Um, they're all out. So, I mean, th- these are all your, your filler players that yeah. they've sort of got rid of. And Dan Menzel, who I was very surprised. Yeah. Um, because uh, when he was playing, he just kicked goals. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which is what you want from forward, really. Fucking nice. <laughs> well, it is, but I think their strategy is uh, going to change this year. Um, probably looking at one, two out with Hawkins uh, rotating through. An ablet down forward. Yeah, and they've got another couple of young kids that will come through. Jeez, I'd love to see like the, an award being best fragile forward. Well, the, there'd be a few running around. Say, Menzel's up there to start with. But, Menzel, uh, Danaher, Waite. Um, Paddy McCartan. Yeah, yeah. Throw them. Uh, Jonathan Patton. Actually, it might be best non-fragile forward would be a, a much smaller list. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's Buddy Franklin. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's have a look at their draw. They're double-ups for 2019. they got the Crows, Hawks, North, Sydney, and the Bulldogs twice. Um, so there's a lot of locals, uh, only the one Crows, the interstate ones. Um, that's They're all about around the mark, aren't they, well, really, those teams? The double-ups, uh, I think, are, they'll let you know where they're at, but uh, they're... Uh, draw their first eight rounds uh, when you look at it um, Collingwood starting at the G which is a, a great way to start yep. but then you're going on to uh, Melbourne at uh, Goomba so they've got them at home Adelaide GWS Hawks uh, Eagles and Essendon Eagles, Essendon North all those teams are about where they want to be uh, except for probably, you could say Collingwood and the Eagles are a bit above yeah. being the reigning grand finalists just looking at that, besides um, Adelaide I think you know, most of the first six games are against last year's finalists. Yep. Yeah, so it's a, a tough opening sort of stanza for them, but it'll definitely let them know where they're at. And, you know, to me, if they can give North a fair pasting, then they put themselves in the top six. But if they if they drop a, a handful of those, you're going to have a hard time slotting them in. Yeah, let's say after round seven, if they're, you know, four and three, you go, all right, you're laughing here. Yeah, they'll, yeah, they'll coast yeah, this in. Yeah. Um, they'll get a couple of the lower-ranked teams at home later on in the season. There's their percentage. Mm. It's, I don't know where they're going to finish on the ladder, but I know their percentage is going to be about 115. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> they just always are Geelong for some reason. Yeah, they always manage a few massive blowouts. Yeah, once they get the 10 goals side. up, they're 20 goals up before you know it. Yeah. Mm. They, they love a run-on. Um, and it's been that way for about 50 years, I reckon. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But the round two match against Melbourne, to me, is the, the very big indicator. Because they got uh, done in the finals last year, which yeah. we mentioned. And how they back that up. If Melbourne can run over them, that could really affect their morale for the whole damn season. Um, they beat them twice in the uh, regular season last year, mm. um, the Cats over Melbourne. And mm. uh, the first one was when Maxi Gorn missed a shot um, with seconds left on yeah. the clock. And the other one, obviously, like we uh, already mentioned, too, after the siren. So... They can hang with Melbourne. It's just when it came down to the finals, the pressure was just too much. And I think age showed a little bit there too. Um, so what's that round two against yep. Melbourne? I think that'll be a great match. I mean, massive one. Melbourne and Geelong have had great matches for the last couple of seasons. Yeah. Well, yeah. the last, you know, like I said, the um, I think the total margins in the two regular season games was about four points. Yeah. I think yeah. one of the biggest issues they had with that game was that they didn't have a solid plan B or C for losing ruck contests because yeah. they've got a gun midfield and you just assume someone's going to be able to get it. Yeah. We're going to get the clearance. They were consistently behind uh, Gorn and now with um, Proust there as well, uh, you don't have a, have a, a chance yeah. in the ruck. So you're yeah. going to have to be defensive-minded and, and from the get-go. The other thing is, too, I think Melbourne matches up very, very well against Geelong because look at yeah. uh, the way Geelong plays is just give our mids room and yeah. uh, let them go and then you've got Melbourne, who've got uh, you know McDonald, Viney, um, the other bald fucker, Jones, 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 and they just don't give their opponents any space. Yeah. Like, yeah. They're very accountable midfielders, um, and you know Selwood will 
bleed every chance he gets. He's like the Ric Flair of AFL. Yeah, well, Jordan also makes sure of that. Exactly. <laughs> and their midfields aren't, aren't afraid of the side of blood at all. Mm. Their own, the opponents, they don't give a shit. Um, so who's in for a big year then um, for the Cats? I've got uh, one of the players who I was alluding to earlier, but I was going to go into it then. It was uh, Brandon Parfitt, who, 21 years old, uh, had some amazing games, yep. uh, especially as a young, speedy, uh, well, technically midfielder, small forward. And that's why I feel like they're the players that they're looking to um, give some game time into so they can have that uh, small pressure forward uh, structure if they need it. Well, and it's Part of the um, upside of Applet spending more time up forward is there's another position in the midfield for guys like Parfit to, yeah. to play You know, 60% of the game there. Yeah, and looking back on his year, uh, this will be his third year in 2019, um, so 21 years old. Last year, he averaged 18 disposals and 4.5 tackles. Uh, so obviously disposals means you've got a good uh, awareness of the ball. You know how to get it, how to use it. But more importantly, is four enough tackles a game as a, as a small running player that generally doesn't have to be too accountable. That's exactly what you want to see for that game plan. It looks like they're trying to be able be capable of implementing if they need it. But especially with the new 666 rules, having uh, an accountable midfielder is yep. going to be so much more important because you can't uh, rely on your teammates to be around the ball all the time, especially yeah. in the centre like, bounces at least. Yeah. Um, so you're going to need to know where your player is and know when to run off, when to pick up. Mm. So if you can then tackle the shite out of them, uh, all the better for you. Yeah, and it's just those one percenters that you have to the group mentality when you're applying that pressure because everyone has to know where they're supposed to be, where they're supposed to be set up. And so yeah, if you get these kids when they're young and get them into that habit, then uh, it'll make it much easier on your talented midfielders because you can't just let him run free while you tag um, or double team one of the, you know, Selwood, Ablett, uh, Dangerfield. Um, it's going to be interesting. I've also got down a big year from Ablett down forward yep. because the 666 means that it won't be as crowded. Tommy Hawkins is a nice focal point. Yep. Um, and if you've got uh, Ablett running underneath him and directing Tommy as well, that's really good. My only problem is it might be too obvious of a move to make Ab- Ablett a permanent forward pocket yeah. that um, the coaching staff might go, well, that's too obvious, so let's change it up. Yeah. Let's put him across halfback. <laughs> yeah. like, so, some things are obvious because... Because they're, they're the right smart. thing to do. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you know, it's obvious to drive a car with your hands, but, uh, you know, you want to uh, trick people up to do it with your feet, it's probably not the best option. A perfect analogy. Yeah. <laughs> yep, <exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dan Ricardo could drive with his nose, I reckon. Um, Tim Kelly is going to be an interesting one, like we set up at the top, um, because uh, at an absolute breakout year last year in his first mm. year, um, we know he's going to go at the end of the year. Um, he'll want to play as well as he can. Well, Geelong certainly wanting to play as well as they can because that drives up the price yeah, yeah. Um, for whatever they can get for him. I hope he goes to the Western Bulldogs. He's like, that's Western enough. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I don't think that's going to work out that way. Um, but uh, a bloke playing with motivation um, and obviously a shit ton of talent um, is certainly one to watch. Um, I've also got down Dangerfield because I feel like um, he, he's really had a good off-season. Um, yeah. And he looks like, you know, he's a little bit... He came over here to win premierships. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't look like they're getting that close at the, at the minute. He looks right in the AFLX. Um, and I say that having... I, I just watched the draft. His banter was awesome. <laughs> um, for me, it's uh, Nakai Cockatoo. Yep. How is he going to develop? He's always been that player who's had flashes of just uh, what the fuckness. Yeah. But he hasn't... I don't think his 2018 was as good as his 2017. No, it's a lot of time in the VFL too for him. Um, last year, but uh, he's, he's got the nous there. Um, it's just, I think this will be his fourth or fifth year. Yep. Um, running around, so it's uh, uh, be yeah, better for it. I think it was drafted 2016, 2015. something like that. Um, but it, he should have he should have been an automatic inclusion now. But 
as you said, in the VFL, and a player with his potential should be starting to deliver yeah. on it now. Well, I think he's got to be best 22, really, when you look at the outs, because the outs are a lot of those guys that we're filling in the you know the last four spots on the list. Mm-hmm. So um, he almost has to be by default, and uh, you don't want it to be by default. You want him to force the issue. Yeah. Um, the other big one, I think, is uh, Radagalia. Um, the the massive uh, ruckman who I think broke his leg or something last year and missed most of the year. But when he did play, geez, he was uh, a force to be reckoned with. If you can get twenty games out of him, um, that uh, that changes the makeup of that team a lot. There's many ruckmen that do twenty games a season these days. Not yeah. these days, no. Um, all right, so who's on the outer then? Who's on the chopping block for Geelong? Who's in trouble this year? I think uh, just Cam Guthrie might struggle to actually yeah. hold his spot mm-hmm. based on what's coming through and. Hasn't really. I mean, he came out. Well, he didn't come out, but when he yeah. when he uh, came yet. out of his show and started putting together really, really consistent games, he dropped off the year afterwards and never quite re- recovered that form. And I don't know if he's afraid to step on people's toes or if he's just lost his way a little bit. But it might be trouble for him. I reckon they could swap him out for someone else to fill in a role that they need. I always reckon he, he's got another career as a Tim Minchin lookalike. Yeah, he's uh, a bit, isn't he? he? When he finishes. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he's dropped off ever since he swapped Guernseys with Chris Judd. Yeah, <laughs> the last time they played, yeah. Johnny. Um, I reckon his brother's in more trouble. Um, yeah, because uh, his talent ceiling's a little bit lower. Yeah, I think uh, Zach Guthrie. Um, the other one I had was Henderson, who's yeah. you know, pushing up in age and yeah. uh, injuries last year. Um, it's not good in, for you personally when you spend most of the year on the sidelines and somebody takes over your job and does it better than you. Well, yeah, and it's, it's not a knock on him. I think when he was fit, he was a really, really talented player. He was. Definitely would hold down his, his role. But, yeah, you know, if you're not on the field, then you can't really you know, be it's, much worth to the team. It's hard to stake your claim when you're not there. Yeah, yep. Um, and Harry Taylor, too, is just on age. Um, He's 32. Yeah, and that, they, it was well publicised that they try to shift him forward and... After 10 games, I think he can kick one goal four or yep. something like that. Um, and you can say he's playing a role and all that kind of stuff, but at the end of the day, you're playing that much time up forward, you've got to be kicking goals. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's a weird unit, um, Harry Taylor, and he's loved by all down there, but yeah. it, it might be just, you know, this is his uh, last go round. He's there for leadership value this year, I think. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And he could be of the... Um, you know, status that he tells you when when he's had enough, or you just have I, like I a, agree. Have a beer with him, be like, "Is it, are we really doing it again?" You know, and if he says yes, like, "All right, we're doing See, it." But I think there's a scale on these things. Like he's he's at the fan favorite level, not not the club legend level. Um, I, I think no, he's. I think he'll go close. I don't think he's quite there. Whereas someone like Gary Ablett, uh, well, if he says, yeah. if he says, "I can go around another season," you kind of have to. Well, yeah, but you're comparing him to Michael Jordan. Like, <laughs> also, let's fair. just drop the bar a little bit. Um. But yeah, I don't think he's quite at the club legend level. But I think that their age demographic at the moment, because like we said, they've they've gone young. They got rid of a lot of mid to older twenties, um, and only got in Rowan and Dowhouse, and the rest are rookies. Yeah. So it's not like they're, um, you know, they've got a lot of aging players. They got a few, um, and, and he just happens to be one of them. I think he's there for the leadership, and you know, half as a coach as well. Um, if he decides to call it quits, I think they they won't be too disappointed. Yeah. And when he says, I want one more year, they'll probably go, one more is enough. Yeah. I reckon that's where he's at. Um, so where do we see him finishing? There were 13 wins and eighth last year. Um, how's uh, 2019? Well, I've I've bought into the hype for, for another year. I think this is like four years in a row I've bought <laughs> into the Geelong hype. But I've got them improving, finishing fifth. Yeah. Uh, I feel like they've got uh, a system now where they can move – 
players around and not just stuck to one game plan. If it doesn't work, then they're in trouble. Um, it seems like that's what they've been gearing towards. And I, I'm just really, not really impressed, but I'm uh, interested in the recruiting they've done and how that's going to play out. I think they do have a lot more options now. Yeah. So yeah, a little bit of improvement them up to fifth playing finals, but not get the second There's chance. A couple of extra wins than they had this year. Yeah. This, Josh, this is one where we've quite split the difference. So you got them improving. I've got them dropping down. Tell us why. Yeah, where you got them? Well, I got them tenth. Um, I, I, I just think they're gonna like a lot of their matches last season were close, despite the fact they had massive blowouts as well. I just don't think you can rely on winning those all the time. Uh, even though they've got you know one of the most experienced midfields, I just don't think their forward line is going to be as potent as some other ones. Like Gary Ablett, champion player, absolute legend of the game. But he's not playing the role he's used to for most of his career. No. Um, and while he's still going to be bloody handy, you have to think, if I'm picking forward pockets that I want right now, there's a whole bunch ahead of him. Like For a start, I'll put Eddie Betts right there. I'm thinking he's going to play that better than Gary Ablett. Uh, in the midfield, Ablett have him on toast. But there's a bunch of other players too where you just think, they know the position better and a little bit sneakier. Whereas Ablett's obvious. Yeah, I've got him at eighth, which is holding steady, but... It- the only reason is, like, on paper, they should be lower, and I would have said 10th, but they find a way to win. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that is the experience in the midfield and that kind of stuff. But I just think that it's going to turn sooner or later. Um, now, if Ablett spends more time up forward, I think that's actually better for him and better for the team makeup as well. Yeah. But, uh, and God, this is a risk saying it on a Geelong podcast. I reckon the, uh, the narrative is going to turn on Selwood this year. Yeah. I think that on Joel, that is, obviously, his yeah. brother who, who gives a shit. Um, uh I think that a lot of the behind-the-play stuff is going to get come more to light now. Yeah. He's always gotten away with it. They're going, no, no, he's a champion. You yeah. Go, yeah, but that's another little little punch, you know, while the umpire's not looking. And yeah. he's the kind of player that will watch the umpire, right, he's not looking yeah. now. <laughs> and then go, oh, what? He, he retaliated. There's my free kick. You yeah. Know? Um, there was one against Richmond with um, Edwards on the boundary in the first 10, uh, first 10 seconds last year. I remember it. And I just gone, nothing was said of it, though. And I, yeah. I think it's it's just going to weigh up and people are going that's once too many now. And I mean, other players are going to say, I've had enough of that. Yep. Well, there uh, is a, a certain amount of veteran moves you let some of the guys get yeah. away with. Uh, but in the JLT, he did one to, uh, I've forgotten, Bagley, I think it was. Uh, yes. Edson. Yes. And, a little uh, tummy touch. Both sort of one, and he's thrown uh, like a, a fist into the solar plexus. And Bagley's gone down like a sack of shit. Yep. And everyone's saying, oh, he's staging. I'm like, hey, come on, it's uh, so what I don't think we're going to really. And that was the one I was trying to remember. Throw the bouquets out there. Um, but if the umpire's going to start paying that, like uh, just the, the tummy tap sort of thing, Selwood's going to have to change his game because yep. a lot of his free kicks come from that sort of shit but, well, uh, and the uh, you know knees to the ground kind of thing. I think he's the type of view that even if I get fined for this, I don't care if I get a free kick now. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway. Um, but that's the game. He's always played that. He's like, as long as yeah. I win this game, I'm fine, which is yep. on one hand, very admirable in a, a senior player. On the other hand, he is one of those blokes that in 10 years' time, there's going to be a lot of damage done to that head <laughs> oh there already is he's without like, a doubt he's one of the few players that actually bought into the theory of take it one game at a time yep yeah. <laughs> um, and you can't question his bravery and oh, yeah. he's, he's very happy to put his head on the line yeah. um, and, and take it on the chin um, but uh, yeah I just think that the narrative around it might change and, and if it does he, he won't like it and that's going to be to their detriment well, the, however yeah. I mean, there's obviously a, a fuck ton of talent there still mm-hmm. um, so I've got a finishing 8th which is right on the, the same as uh, last year so uh, it, it might be um, another year of sneaking into the finals and see what damage they can do from there yep alright yep. that'll do us for Geelong thanks yep. good luck planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with Quinn's 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.